Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Okay, um, I started this book by accident. I made a trip to Chicago. I was, I'd been working on a big body of work. I was through with it. And when I was in Chicago, I picked up a Hiroshige book. And I've always loved Japanese printmaking um, from the mid-19th century. And I started going through this book, you know, every night and reading it and looking at it, and just kept being stunned by how modern and how interesting the compositions were and how um, different the take was than most Western art. And I was sitting there going through it, and finally I went, hey, why don't I do 100 not-so-famous views of L.A.? So um, I decided to use the same format, um, which is about 14 by 9 inches, as the prints. And I gave myself some limitations. Everything had to be in the city of L.A. That goes all the way to San Pedro, to North Hills. And... Uh, I was going to use bokashi, which is the gradation that the Japanese woodblock makers use, and um, no people, no cars. So that was my sort of limitations. And so I had a few places I started with, and I kept going and going and going, and finally a friend of mine said, at 107, went, don't you think you should stop now? (laughs) So someone did intervention, and... uh, I, I stopped. So I want to show you so a few comparisons. Now, I don't pretend to be Hiroshige, and I don't pretend to be an Asian art specialist. I just like the art. And um, so I'm going to kind of just quickly go through a few of these and not bore you too much. So Hiroshige, you can see it up there. Let's see if I can get it to work. This is one of the most famous prints outside of, um, I would say, Hokusai's giant wave. And um, it's a sudden shower on the Shinobashi Bridge. He always, you know, in this series, he decided to do the seasons also. Well, I couldn't do that here. I tried, but they're too subtle. So anyway, this is um, one of his paintings. And this is a painting I did of the Temple Street Bridge in the rain. So you can see I I stole some raindrops here. But also, the other thing that was astounding in L.A. is how many bridges there are. I never realized it until I started driving around and doing these paintings. Now, Hiroshige also frames everything really interestingly. This print, actually, these leaves were once orange, but they've oxidized. You're always sort of looking through and into another scene. And um, so I tried to do that, too. And I tried not to make the paintings pretty. I wanted them to be the L.A. that I live in, not the postcard L.A., but this one kind of got pretty on me. I couldn't help myself. The paintings, some of them, they dictate what you're going to do. You don't always decide. You know, you'll start out with your idea. Now, he also used animals coming into, like birds, that are breaking in the scene. If you think about this logically, you would never be able to see that. And that's another thing that's really wonderful because it's just so completely modern in the context. Um, And I also wanted to do the wildlife in L.A. So 
here's my version. It's not as good as his, but um, this is a red-tailed hawk over the two freeway looking toward downtown LA. Now, here we have uh, one of his. Now, the painting behind this isn't in the book, but I wanted to look at this. This was inside looking out through these bars, and this is actually, all these little objects are symbolic, and this is the house of a geisha. <clears throat> but you're looking at this one scene and then on to another. And so I did, this is from the Hammer Museum, and I was really interested in the Fox Theater because it's a really beautiful old theater out there. This one's not in the book. I just stuck it in, because, just because. Okay, um, more birds. Now, the crane was considered an auspicious animal there and sort of sacred. However, a couple times a year, they'd send hawks out, kill them and eat them for special ceremonies, which I thought was a little bit ironic. Um, and again, framing the view and having this nice low horizon line and nothing you would ever see in nature that way. And this is my version. This is the Great Heron Gates at Fletcher and Riverside Drive. Um, these are gates made by a local artist and it's blue herons. So I thought, well, I'm gonna put a blue heron in because you see them on the LA River all the time. Uh, a night view. Now, what's interesting, in most Japanese art, there are no shadows. They didn't really deal with chiaroscuro. Um, but this one, you have moon shadows. And also, a really big moon. I'm always tormenting my students because they're always putting these big moons and suns and things like, oh, no. Um, but here, you know, you need it for the composition. So I did one with a moon in it, but I hung it on a line. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is Fong's. I painted this place many years ago. I used to know Mr. Fong. He was a wonderful man. He has passed away, and uh, I just thought I had to paint Fong's again because he was a special guy. Now, here we have this giant fish, which is used for boys' day. It symbolizes courage and, I guess, you know, virtues for boys um, and strength. And if you look at this, it's really weird because uh, they're not really sticking into the landscape, but they do this great compositional thing. And you would never see a Western painting with this object blocking out half of the, the picture plane. But I did the short-faced bear at Hancock Park. And I, this is an art joke. I did this because I tell the students, don't sit the object on the bottom of the plane, don't put it in the middle, and don't put the focal point in the exact center. So I did all of that in this. <laughs> and I love the way the bear looks. He's just like sitting there. It looks like somebody in a bear suit. Um, and there's these really cool sculptures all over Hancock Park that uh, were made by this one guy, and they're all beautiful. Now, this one doesn't have a lot in common with the next painting, other than there's a bird in it. It has a very low horizon line. And this is Western Exterminator, one of my favorite places in LA. Um, low horizon line, big bird, and I also combined painting styles. In some of these, there are shadows and highlights, and then other parts of the paintings will be perfectly flat. Some have shadows, some don't have shadows. I mixed east and west. Growing up in California, I always looked more toward Asia than I looked toward Europe. Um, this is interesting. This is where the pillar here, this is a, a bridge. Again, no chiaroscuro, so it looks very flat, but it's actually a round object. Here you're looking through this at a scene, and so I did the overpass, the Third Street overpass over the 110, and you're looking through that. 
Now, this is very typical, but you think about it, if he actually painted this, he'd be crawling around in the mud. Um, beautiful, low composition. It's so I did the Silver Lake Reservoir, which you can't get close to. You have to look at it through a fence. The dragonfly lives in my backyard, and the plants would not be that high unless I was crawling on the ground, and I assure you I wasn't. So I'm not, I don't go out and paint a scene I see. I change things, I move things, I make it bigger, I make it smaller. Um, there's a lot of things going on. It isn't, you know, some article someone wrote said I was a plain air painter. No, I don't stand on the corner with my beret and my easel, you know. I, was, I work in the studio. Um, another one where you look at these masts and it breaks this plane into like these patterns. This is really odd if you look at it, the way it breaks those shapes up. So this one, which is Angel's Flight, I tried to break the shapes up, the line on the road, the overhangs, the buildings, where you get this line thing going on all the way around. Um, here again, looking through the willows at this distant scene. And here's my version from um, San Pedro, looking down at the Cabrillo Beach Old Museum, which used to be great fun. And I stuck in the pelicans because I needed it compositionally to make this work. Plus, you always see pelicans, and pelicans are one of my favorite birds. Um, this one, Van Gogh actually did a painting from this. He was inspired by this work earlier. And I'm only looking at it here because I want to look at the gradations. Look at this purple on the top, it goes to this orange, it goes to this yellow, it goes to this green. This is totally nuts. And so I did this, which is um, Angel's Gate Friendship Bell. And there are no shadows here. It's all with the Bokashi gradation and actually was inspired by the last one, just the colors. Harvey. Um, here we're looking down at a bridge, and I think it's interesting the way they do the clouds, where they, or fog, where it just becomes this horizontal strip. And this is looking at a lesion um, valley, sort of comparing, looking at the distance. Okay, now, Sixth Street Bridge, which is going to be tore down. This is Chicken Boy, one of my favorite icons in the city. Um, and Uptown Rocker, which is a large public art sculpture that nobody's ever seen, um, which is interesting because I keep asking people, you ever seen that? And they go, oh, where is it? It's right behind Mocha down the street. Uh, but nobody ever sees it. But I thought it was a nice, one of the few sculptures that celebrates the car culture in LA. And then this, the weirdest place in LA, for a park. This is the Kenneth Hahn mm -hmm. State Recreation Area. We have oil wells and fake waterfalls and lots of hiking trails and things. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty odd. You should go there sometime. Okay, and then the Californian Coyote. Again, no shadows. And I kept wanting to paint the sign. I couldn't figure out how to do it. And after the fires in 2007, the coyotes were hanging out on the streets. And I just thought, oh, like a bunch of teenage boys, so I'll just like stick them in there, and they're like hanging out, and I made funny looks on their faces, you know, they're, they're waiting to cause trouble. And uh, the Japanese pavilion at LACMA, these things look like giant bats, and the composition like really um, was fun. And my favorite, the Oracle of Silver Lake, the foot clinic. Now, the foot spins. There's a happy foot and a sad foot. And I have a friend, if he's going to work, and he sees the sad foot coming, he tries to look away because he thinks he'll have a bad day. 
And um, the dragons on Broadway at night, which uh, I really like them, you know, they're just blingy and, and bright and really funny. And, and uh, Yagura Tower in Little Tokyo, fairly simple one, but uh, interesting story. The, when they first built it, the people who'd come back from the camps wanted it tore down because it reminded them of the guard towers. So there was a big controversy, even though it's a traditional Japanese fire tower. And this, um, to sort of bring home the point that I'm not a plain air painter, this is the LA police firing range, which I discovered by accident. It's down the hill, and you can actually watch them shoot things. Um, I brought the city a lot closer because I needed to do it compositionally, otherwise it wasn't gonna work. But I was driving along, I heard the noise, I stopped the car, I looked over the hill, and they're down there, a guy with a microphone and all these people just shooting away. And here we are, the end. <laughs> okay, David, you're on. <laughs> oh, I get to sit? Do we need it? I teach, I project well. Okay, so anyway, we're gonna talk for a bit and then we will um, open it up to some questions from, uh, from you guys. I should just say I was, really thrilled to get the opportunity to write the foreword to this book because I write a lot about Los Angeles and what I would call sort of vernacular Los Angeles, which is also not the, um, not the postcard version, but just the kind of the street level version that we all live in that people, like the city, you know, LA is city. And, um, and that was what struck me um, about the book. And then of course, the first image I saw was the image of Western Exterminator, which is a building I've been obsessed with since I moved here. So <laughs> I was like, this is, a, this is a marriage made in heaven. So, um, so anyway, let's talk, um, I'm curious about the role of influence, both the influence, um, you know, ba sort of basing a project or I don't want to say basing it, but sort of having a project grow so directly out of your appreciation of another artist's project. Um, would, did that give you pause? Is that something that you've thought about in the past? Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, as a no, I hadn't thought about it in the past. It just sort of rolled out of me, and uh, it seemed perfectly natural. I'd been painting L.A. for years, but to give it this sort of context and then also pay homage to an artist that I think is, he's dead, but one of the best ever um, was sort of what happened, you know? And uh, like I said, I just, I didn't know that I was going to get through 100. And then it just sort of took over, and I went way beyond. Did you set that? I mean, I, I know he had done 100. Did you set that was when you decided to do this as a, as a project? Was that your task originally was you were going to do 100, or did you, um, That's did you sort of? That's what I was going to do. I was going to do 100. Okay. He did 118. Oh, he did 118. He right, okay. <laughs> and how did, uh, I mean, this, well, let's see. When you were first starting, you didn't know if you were going to make it through 100. Were you? How did you scout locations? How did you have? What, did you start with a number of places you knew you were going to paint? Well, there were always these places that I had a fondness for, and I just sort of started with those, and then I just started roaming around. And uh, it's amazing what you find when you just roam around <laughs> for hours well, on end. It's also, I think, it's really interesting if you set that goal for yourself. It's amazing what sort of the pressure of creation will do, you know, in terms of opening your eyes. If you know you have to produce 100 paintings. Well, I didn't then, have to. Well, no, but I mean, if that's, that's true, you can always stop. But if that's the nature of the project, you're sort of, your eyes are open in a way that's, it, that's different than if you're just sort of being, you know, to what, receptive to whatever comes your way. You're actually out looking. 
Yeah, and also when I would go to events and things, I would always start, you know, oh, well, that might work. Mm -hmm. And then do you photograph and then bring it back to the um, studio? It's or? both. Uh, usually I'll visit a site over and over and over so I can figure out, so I can fully understand it. And I'll do some drawings, and mostly I photographs mm -hmm. because, you know, I work in the studio. But all of those things. But I have to understand it before I can do it. Right. Do you find that, um, I, when you were talking, I was struck by the idea that, you know, you'll move things around. I mean, of course, of course you will. You're, you're composing a, a, a painting. But do you find that because the paintings are representational, that there is an expectation on the part of the audience that they are um, almost documentary and that that idea of moving things around or changing the angle or, um, you know, at, let's say looking at it from a point, you know, really getting down in the weeds, which you wouldn't do. Is uh, is tricky for people to process, or do they, are they even aware of it? I don't think they're aware of it. And also, uh, there was one painting I didn't mention it of Hiroshige's, where he actually did this scene, and the mountains he put in it were behind him. Mm. So he like completely switched the scene up. Right, right. Uh, I don't think people notice. I mean, some of those wacky things with the birds. I mean, people don't think about it. They go, "Oh, I like the bird," you right, know. Right, right. I think you can get away with stuff. Right. Um, I was struck very much in, um, you know, the first time I looked at the book or looked at the paintings and, and then every time subsequently this, what, what you just said, that there are no people. Um, no cars too. That I didn't notice as much because I'm focused more. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a pedestrian in the city. But why no, I mean, can we talk, I'm curious your sort of the, the logic for that. To say, I love it as an idea, but it was really striking to me when I realized it sort of came up, it kind of snuck up on me after about 20 or 30 paintings, I realized, oh, there are no people in these paintings. It's the post-neutron <laughs> um, uh, It's more about p people dating paintings. Mm -hmm. If you look at Edward Hopper's paintings with people, they have their little hats on, their little outfits, and it completely dates it. And I wanted something that was of now, but I didn't want to lock it in there. Mm -hmm. And is, that, is it also, I mean, one of the things I had thought about was it really makes L.A. the city the subject, not the people who occupy the city, but the city itself as a physical space. Well, that was more my interest, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, I teach. I'm around people all the time. I don't want to look at any more of them. <laughs> <laughs> so what about, what is it, um, what, what about L.A.? Why, you know, it's a, it was four years um, of working four on it. Four and a half. Um, you had to, you had to be stopped by intervention, right? <laughs> so what you know? Uh, what was it that what was it about LA that drew you in in general, and then that drew you specifically into doing this kind of this project? Well, I've painted LA for mm -hmm. years and years and years. Um, it's not anything new. I I started out very realistic. I have done this big spiral where I get very abstract and I've rolled back around into realism, but it just seems natural to me. I like architecture. I'm fascinated by architecture. I'm fascinated by cities, and uh, it just seemed like it didn't seem like an odd thing for me to do. No, it's a, I, I think it's only right. I didn't seem like an odd thing for me for you to do, but um, <laughs> but it was unexpected. But it was something that I thought, oh, I'd never quite thought of of, um, of a book like this, and it, it kind of I, almost like well, I didn't either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> almost like like city as landscape. I mean, they're landscape paintings basically, but they're landscape. It's a, a landscape paintings of a human built landscape. I thought that was fascinating. Well, I've always been fascinated by ruins, actually, mm -hmm. um, and I did a whole series of paintings about places crumbling. Mm -hmm. So it's it's the whole life of the city. Right. Right. And I think also there are things, I mean, the framing is really interesting to me because, you know, one of my favorite buildings 
is the uh, the eastern building downtown, the blue, um, that blue eastern building. It's beautiful. And there is a painting of that building, although it is, as you say, you know, it is not composed as the center of the painting. It's sort of tucked into the back of the painting behind a parking lot and a couple of other structures. Um, I'm really curious about your that aesthetic choice. It's fascinating, this idea of sort of the, indir let's call it indirect, the indirection of the image. Well, I, I had done Bullock's Wilshire and the Wilton, which were very direct, and I thought, well, this is such an outstanding building. I mean, I could just do it and it'd be the center of attention, mm -hmm. but I wanted it to kind of sneak up on you. Like, you go, oh, what's that? And then you would be inclined to go look at it. I mean, I'm hoping this makes people go out and look at things. Mm -hmm. um, when you left out, the seven that you left out, from the book, <laughs> yeah. why? How did you make that? That was that a difficult choice? Yeah. And how did and how did you? Uh, what was the what was the process? Um, I don't know. It was just like uh, some I liked better than others, mm -hmm. you know. And there's a, probably one or two that I would have liked in the book. It's just I had to make some decisions. It wasn't easy. What about the narrative? I mean, do you think of the book as, a, as, as having a narrative, as the paintings um, kind of telling a story of the city, or is it more of a kind of random uh, conglomeration? No. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right. No, I, you know, I have nothing to say. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. You don't have to say anything. I'm fine. I'm fine. I got questions. I'll keep asking them. Um, so they're not, so in terms of, so how, so they're, they're, they're not chronological, they're, they're, the order of the paintings in, in the, the book, book is, they're, they're, they're chronological, right. Except toward the end, because number 100 was actually number 100. Right. And when I took out seven of them, we had to shuffle it around, which messed up one of my thought processes a little bit, because I had done uh, the Museum of Death, then I did View from Forest Lawn, then I did the end, because I wanted those three to kind of end things up. <laughs> But it didn't end up working out that way. Right. So that is, I mean, but that is a narrative. I mean, there yeah, is a narrative is a impulse narrative. Yeah. In, in, in that sense. I mean, because one of the things that I think about is I think about cities as narrative space. I mean, we're always, particularly a city like Los Angeles, which is so sort of diverse and spread out, we're always kind of navigating our own individual way through it and kind of creating the city for ourselves. Was that part of, were you aware of that process? This strikes me very much as sort of um, your vision of the city or your passage through the city in some way, the book. Was that part of your thought process or in any way part of the aesthetics? No, it just happened. Okay. Um, <laughs> that, that I mean, I just kept circling around, you right. know, and I kept circling back to where I started. Right, and there are some paintings, I mean, for instance, you have the painting from the Japanese pavilion at LACMA, and then you've got the painting, or the painting of the of the, the, the bear in Hancock Park. So there are paintings that are, you know, or scenes that are situated very close to each other. Well, there's actually two paintings, three paintings from Hancock Park. Mm -hmm. and it's, um, and that one I wanted to ask you, you were, when you were talking about, because I am not an artist, um, why, what, can you talk a little bit about why not to put the center of the image oh, in the just, center of the image? It's just basic, I mean, you know, art isn't, Whatever is art. No, it has rules, just like composing mm -hmm. music. And one thing you don't do, you don't stick stuff just in the center and then kind of work around it. You try to get the composition where your eye moves throughout. And um, you don't sit things on the bottom of the thing. That's what kids do. Mm -hmm. you know. And you don't want something right in the middle with stuff sticking out of its head so everybody looks in one point. So the idea of composing a picture plane is to have the viewer move around it to to primary and secondary and tertiary areas. Okay. That's why. <laughs> okay. No, that's why. So, so you're essentially creating a kind of narrative through the painting in, right. the, in, in that way. Yeah. Um, how long did it, you, you, I mean, in terms of the individual paintings, I mean, 107 paintings in four and a half years is a pretty good pace of production, right? So I don't have a life. 
<laughs> that was not what I was getting at. Um, <clears throat> I'm just curious about, so, you know, it's, it's, but, you know, did you have a sense, I mean, did you have rules for yourself in terms of I'm going to produce, um, I'm bad at math, so it's not one a week, but, you know, um, like one a month probably, right? Is that, no, that's wrong too. That's wrong too. About two a month, about one every couple of weeks. Were you on a kind of, let's say, were you on a kind of No, I just yeah, I took whatever time it took. Okay. And some were really quick and some took forever. Which ones took forever? The ones that gave me trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, but which, which were the ones, which was the most difficult? Um, gee, that's hard to say. Uh, it really is. I mean, they all have a lot of difficulty. Uh, the one from Elysian Valley took forever because the details were this big. Mm -hmm. You know, and I use very tiny little brushes anyway. So, and then some, you know, like I had to really struggle to make them work compositionally. Like which one again? I mean, I'm just curious. Like which which ones? And and, and I'm curious know. about the struggle. <laughs> I'm always interested to hear how about artists struggle because I find creating anything really difficult. So. <laughs> well, it's just you know, like you'd look at something and you had to like work out how to make the composition work, and it wasn't always something that would work. So right. you had to like go in and edit and change and draw and you know. And there's a couple of three or four paintings I never saw in the light of day that I did. Mm -hmm. It just didn't work out. Right. Um, which was the which were the easiest ones? Which were the ones I shouldn't say easy? I don't think any of them probably were easy. But which were the ones that came the the, the, the quickest? Um, probably the Western Exterminator, just because I knew exactly what I wanted to do there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, oh, at the end, that one too. That was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty clear. <laughs> I'm also curious. I mean, you know, the animals do come from. Um, I mean, you were talking about sort of the relationship of, of the animals to the to the Japanese paintings. But they are um, they are living creatures, so that is an interest. Again, I mean, I, I understand the idea of the humans dating the the city in some way, but I think it it's interesting that the living creatures we see in these paintings are the, are non-human living creatures. Did you have? I mean, was there a a thought other than echoing the uh, the originals? Is there a thought to that? It's probably because my backyard is full of them. Mm -hmm. Every time I'd come down the studio, there was a skunk walking by, or a possum, or you know, or a hawk flying over in the daytime. It's like, I live near here and it's hilly and I don't know, I just see them all the time. Because for me it felt almost like a reclamation, like, when you, it's funny, when, or interesting, when you're talking about ruins, it, may, it almost felt like uh, we were looking at, maybe you're right, the neutron bomb city, but the city sort of reclaimed by animals, or the city, you know, depopulated and reclaimed by animals. Well, I just read this thing about Chernobyl, and mm -hmm. like, the animals are like just thriving and taking over the whole place. Right, right. You know, after... Nobody can go in there, but the animals are going back in. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. um, would you have kept going after 107? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, I did another series right after this called Coastal Disturbance, where there's 18 of them, sort of in the same format, but it dealt, dealt with deterioration and development along the coast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the, from, from your point of view as an artist, what is the advantage or the challenge of, a seri of doing paintings in a series as opposed to doing paintings that are um, standalone? Well, you can have a show in a gallery. Okay. And it looks like the same person did the show. Right, right. No, I mean, artists work in bodies of work. Right. I mean, I have two paintings which are standalone, and they're views from City Hall, and they're quite large, and took forever, and one's looking um, north in the daytime and south at night. Okay. And they mirror each other. And that's the only I, ones I've done were just two paintings or something like that. I always work in groups of work. I always have an idea that I'm rolling through. What are you working on now? 
Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a, this has been an intense year. So no, no, it's fine. I'm I just did, curious. I did a bunch of woodcuts at the beginning of this year. Right. Um, but, you know, that's taking my old images and reworking them in another medium because I'm a recovering printmaker. So. Okay. I was also really interested by the core, which I hadn't realized in quite as overt a way as um, the presentation made clear, the, the correlation or the relationship from specific images um, from the Japanese to, uh, to your work, the sort of the direct one-to-one -one influence of, of an image on an, on an image, the framing. Um, the rain on the, on the bridge and then the rain at, at the Temple Street Bridge. I wondered if you can talk a little bit, I mean, not all of the paintings have that same direct relationship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about, um, about that. Um, were, there, were those just particular images in the original that spoke to you and that then you wanted to do a sort of your own version of? Um, is it more complicated than that? Or? It, it's more like, you know, I go, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do one where you look through everything. You know, it wasn't like a direct, like, oh, I like that one, I'll do that. Maybe The Bridge in the Rain is more direct. Mm -hmm. But I thought it's such an iconic piece that that sort of made sense. But a lot of them, it just, you know, I thoroughly, I mean, I went through his book for three months, right. looking at every painting, reading everything, you know, and just let it sort of seep in. Mm -hmm. And because his was a book, did you, I mean, you did you think of this as a book from the, you, I mean, you were talking well, about like series, I, but did I, you think thought, about it? oh, this might be an interesting book. <laughs> right. You know, that'll never happen. Let's <laughs> see. And, and also, I went to um, New York and went to the uh, library there, and they have a huge collection of his stuff that they let you go through and handle them. So I went and looked at all of his prints. Wow. And uh, it was a different series, but I like to spend a couple of days in the library there going through his prints and just sort of looking at them. Is it different to work, I mean, at what, well, let's see, at what point did you, um, did you know that it was going to be a book and not just a series? I didn't. It was only after the series was done. That no, the, I mean, you know, everybody goes, oh, you should self-publish. Right. Yeah, right. right. Um, no, I had no idea. This right. came out of the blue. KCT did an article on me about the time I did the show at City Hall, and this man emailed me and go, your painting's wrong, go and do the book. And um, <laughs> so we emailed back and forth, and finally we had lunch, and he goes, well, I don't, I don't really make books, but I know somebody who might. And, and it was Colleen. <laughs> and was that? And I'm like going, huh? <laughs> Was that I, I, I'm also in terms of putting the book besides sort of picking a hundred and, and all that kind of, uh, of stuff did that um, did that change seeing them in a book or thinking about them as the content of a book as opposed to on a wall did that change the way you thought about the paintings do you think that the object of the book changes the way the paintings relate to each other or you relate to the paintings or is it simply just an artifact just an artifact in fact it didn't sink in till the day I came here to buy something and I look over, and they weren't supposed to be out yet, and I looked over and saw them, went, and I started laughing, because it was the first time it really sunk in. I'd had the book in my hand and everything, but it didn't sink in until I saw them in a public space. Interesting, and what about, I'm curious also just about your, about Los Angeles again, the sense of, um, I mean, I think I'm doubling back on a question I asked, but I, I'm gonna ask it again, um, or I'm gonna ask it in a different way, I'm gonna ask it in a, I'm gonna ask it in a different way, and then we'll see if, but I'm really interested in this notion of sort of, as I said, of kind of vernacular Los Angeles, just street level Los Angeles, Los Angeles as, interestingly enough, since there are no people in the paintings, Los Angeles is just a place where people live, without any of the myth or the glamour, the fake glamour, the glitz, all that stuff that we, that we define it as. Um, 
I don't even know what this question is, but I'm curious on your thoughts about that. <laughs> thoughts about the city. The city is an actual place. I mean, I think that in the popular mythology, it is that that actuality is completely overlooked. So, well, I, I think coming at it from a native, I don't even think about it like that. Mm -hmm. It's just this is where I live, and this is what I look at. This is what I do every day. Right. So but it's just the setting. It's just it's, the, it's, the. This is the things I'm interested in. You right. know, it's like I think there something's beautiful, or I think it's like you know. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't any, no highfalutin context there. It's just, right. you know, I like it. I want to do it. Right. Well, I'm glad you did. I mean, I think it's, um, it's a great series. It's a fascinating project. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm impressed at the, the scope of the kind of just the commitment to do that much, the work, the, the paintings upon paintings upon paintings. Um, but I do think that's also part for me. That's how, you know, art is, is, is practice. Well, I, if I hadn't been painting all of those, I would have been painting something else. Right, exactly. You know, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been doing something different. Should we open it up to some questions from you guys? Sure. Yeah, so don't be shy. Oh, are, they gonna be, are the paintings going to be displayed in a gallery? They're at Angel City Brewery, downtown L.A., and it's open after 4 o'clock, and they'll be there for three weeks. Oh, great. Actually, all 107 are there. Oh yeah, that sign was off an old hotel down in the Westlake area, and it's been sitting by Griffith Park for years. And I kept looking at it and looking at it and couldn't figure out how it would make it work compositionally. And then I went over to the park with my neighbor one day with his dogs, and I were driving out, and the coyotes are standing. There. I thought, oh, that's what I need to do. And so, well, there'd been that big fire in 2007, and. Um, they were all hanging out on the street because it was all burned out. And, you know, you go in the parking lot in the middle of the day and they're out there going, hey, you know. So. I actually, and I can because I, I, as editing this book, I checked all the locations where everything was, and it took a while to figure out where that is. So it's behind the fountain. Now, I think they moved it on Riverside Drive. Right. Behind the fountain. Oh. It's not in the park like what you think of as the park. It's the uh, main entrance. It's across, it's across Los Feliz. You know what the tennis court is? It's like across the tennis court. Yeah, on Riverside Drive, on south of the fountain, not on the fountain. Oh, south of the fountain, okay. And was the reason you couldn't think, that you were having trouble composing that, was it just because the image of the sign itself was just sort of too flat in and of itself, it needed something else? Well, I mean, it was like, it's a lawn, there's a tree, there's a sign. Right. It doesn't give you a lot to work with. No, 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 you know? exactly. So the coyotes gave you that, the the coyotes that wild gave me card. That, element. that to work with. Right, okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I really liked, um, well, the way you could tell it was LA was because of the buildings and the structures and the hardscape, but I really liked how you made it look beautiful by juxtaposing, you know, like a tree limb or, or grass or. or trees and, and trunks and I like the contrast of the very dark colors like that light or like a tree and then the, the light sky behind very, very nice and I also want to say that a Western Exterminator I'm 63 and I still get scared when I see that picture <laughs> <laughs> going to my grandmother's house we passed that sign and it would just terrify me I have nightmares about it and I still get a sick feeling when I see that picture Bunch of 
No. No? No. So, <laughs> well, like, you've got animals. Where, you know, are those from Pokemon's or, I mean, how did you? Well, I mean, some, I, I have, like I said, I have animals in my backyard. I mean, there's one with a lizard who lives in my backyard. There's one with a dragonfly. The possum lives in my backyard. There, the animals are around me. Did you, like, do I took photos and drew from photos, but I took them myself and, you know, I've got, got lots of models in my yard. <laughs> Can you tell the store of the ideas while you were looking around, or did you have a big book, or just... No, I, I went from one to the other. I mean, it was pretty random. More? Actually, so, uh, okay, so when you're looking at your sheet, you actually have to find some kind of analogy for every single no, 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 not at all. Yeah, no, no. Chevelle. Um, I know if you were like directly, as far as um, color composition, they were directly affected by Hiroshima. Um, but for choosing like what part of the daytime, because that's the one thing at least for me that I enjoy the notice of the overall gradation of the section the background, like even what we're looking at now. Um, what was your it was sort of what I felt would work with the area. And also I found as I worked through it, if I were, was in a different place emotionally, the colors were affected. You know, there's a group where the, everything is kind of beigey and then, you know, so it, it, a lot had to do where I was. You know, uh, if I wasn't feeling really happy, I wasn't going to be using those happy colors. <laughs> uh, you know, so it, it it changed. I, I didn't have a master plan, I quite honestly, I hate to say that, but I didn't. Um, one thing I don't think most people know, is they look like woodblockers and they also look like watercolors, but can you talk a little bit about what the media they Oh, okay. I use uh, something called cartoon color, and it's made by MGM Studios, and it's paint that was made to paint animation cells with. And I took a class at the uh, Cartoonist Union to learn how to use it. And I'd been using it off and on for many years. And it looks like woodblock ink. When you paint, it's very matte. And as long as you keep it wet, you can blend and get those skies. But once it dries, it won't move again. And then you paint, you paint from back to forward. And it's a beautiful paint, and the colors are real intense, which I liked. And it's made here in LA. So it's LA paint. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Uh, I'm using illustration board. Uh, that's usually what you use with cell vinyl, actually, because it, it, it's a little tricky. You have to, you know, there's tricks to using it. And, and I'm curious about this choice of the size of the images, because the images are a particular size. Was that, how did you come to that? Um, well, that's the traditional um, Japanese format. Mm -hmm. What's it called, Oban? Oban. Format. Okay. Yeah, no, it's like I looked at the book and went, oh, I'm going to make them that size, okay. <laughs> um, you know, nothing brilliant about it. I just copied it, you know. Any, anybody else have a mayor? Uh, I know you've made the book of some of the images. Are you going to do the whole series? Oh, no way. I'd, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be working until I was dead if I did that. <laughs> Printmaking is not something that you can do a lot of, but I did do um, actually seven images from that. And then I did a bunch of images from the series afterwards, so. But no, I'm a recovering printmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Sorrow. 
Why that picture for the cover? That? Oh, the cover. Um, ask Colleen. <laughs> it was a very, very difficult. Um, uh, we went through months of agonizing over the cover line and, and images of and, and I think what we, what we wanted was something that was not, and we talked a lot with Barbara about this, that was not iconic in the, to the outside world, you know, that, that Fong's and that image is, is iconic for, for Angelinos who know what Chinatown looks like, but somebody from Chicago is not going to know what, where that is, whereas some of the other images like that, that involved, uh, for instance, the observatory, we, it, it, you know, Barbara's take on it was not very simple. <laughs> so anyway, we felt that that worked and also allowed for tight to be on it. We tried lots and lots of different things. <laughs> yep. Did you get out to West Valley? Yes, I did. Uh, there's actually a painting of the Mount St. Mary's parking lot. <laughs> and there's also a, a painting of the Baldwin Hills Overlook. I got that way. I didn't stay out there long, but I did get, I did get that way. No, enough for a few images. Yeah. And uh, something I do want to mention is the writing also happened by accident. Um, after I finished the paintings, I went, took a trip to Brazil, I was riding a horse, shouldn't have been because my neck was hurting, and I injured my back. I could not paint for a year, and I go, well, what am I gonna do? So I have this big overstuffed chair, and I have an iPad, and I sit and wrote about each of these, badly, I might say, but um, I did that for a year without having any purpose for doing it other than to keep myself busy. And uh, with lots of editing, <laughs> it managed to like work, but I mean, it wasn't, I'm not a writer. You know, I'm, I'm not. She's got, yeah, but let, me, let me defend you. The, the, <laughs> the story, she's got stories to tell, and it, it, it puts you in the place, and sometimes there's a good little bit of something that adds, really adds to it. Anybody else? You didn't do anything else like I'm doing, did you? <laughs> um, well, I have, but that's for Coastal Disturbance. That's another series. I did the uh, Scattergood plant, which is the sewage plant for all of that. <laughs> Yeah, no, the coastal disturbance goes from there all the way down to like Long Beach. And where are those paintings? In, in my studio. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? All right. Well, thank you guys yeah, all thank you. for coming yeah. in. Um, um, you're, you're, you're signing, you'll be signing books? Oh, I guess so. Is that right? So, <laughs> sure uh, so, so buy books, Barbara will sign them, and um, it's a spectacular book. Thank you very much well, for talking you. with me. Thank you all for coming. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Young Jesus. You can check them out at youngjesus.bandcamp.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.